Paul Tripp says that he's traveled the world talking about parenting, and he says this, I've had thousands of exhausted parents ask me for more effective strategies for this or that. When what they really need is a big picture parenting worldview that can explain God and motivate all things that God calls them to do as parents. If you're going not only to cope, but to thrive with vision and joy as a parent, you need more than the next book that gives you seven steps to solve whatever. You need God's view of what He's called you to do. You need a big gospel parenting worldview that will not only make sense of your task, but will change the way you approach it. Yes, you read it right. I am deeply persuaded that what is missing in most Christian parents' parenting are the big, grand perspectives and principles of the gospel. These perspectives and principles are radical and counterintuitive. They're simply not natural for us, but they're essential to being what you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do as a parent. When you parent with what the gospel says about God, you, your world, your children, and God's grace, you not only approach parenting in brand new ways, but you carry the burden of parenting in a very different way. What you will have this morning is not seven steps that's going to make your parenting easier this morning. In our passage today, we are going to continue to look at Paul's progressive thinking of how the gospel transforms the whole of our lives. And as message to us in Ephesians 1, how he is actively uniting all things to Christ. We've looked at wives submitting to their husbands. Husbands loving their wives. Today, children obeying their parents. Fathers leading their homes. What we're seeing here is Paul setting forth what it looks like for the whole of your life to be transformed by the Gospel. We've learned that Gospel not only transforms our relationship with God, but also our relationship with one another. And this truth, as, as we've walked through the last three weeks in our marriages, we have realized that Gospel transformation is the only hope for godly marriages. And the message today is the same. The only hope for children to obey their parents. The only hope for fathers to lead their homes well. For us to walk wisely in parenting is for the gospel to transform it. For the Apostle Paul, the home, the marriage, the relationship of parents and children are 
perhaps the most significant ground, and we'll refer to them today as ground zero for beginning to live out gospel truth in your life. One can say all kinds of things about what he believes. One can say all kinds of things about what he professes. One can make all kinds of, of, of comments and claims about their own priorities and their own Christian experience. But those things really show in the context of the home. And the Paul wants us to see that and remember that in this passage. And I think also as we approach this passage of Scripture, we need to remember something for ourselves. We need to remember that when we come to this passage as, as Redeemer Church, we are coming to it from multiple situations. There, there, this is not a, a cookie-cutter way. <laughs> this is not. Some of us come from homes that uh, experience wonderful parental-child relationships. And all of our memories of our parents' dealings with us bring us great joy. And we wish we could live up to that. We wish we could be that same parent. Others come from situations where parents grievously erred in the way that they dealt with their children. It's hurtful. Some come from situations where parents disappeared from their life. Some of us, even today, come with broken hearts in the whole area. The whole ground zero. The whole area of parent-child relationship. While other, others of us, when we think about that, we're just full of joy. We need to bear in mind this morning and we need to pray for one another as we all attempt to appropriate the Bible's teaching about parenting and gospel living in the home. This is so important for us to understand. The truths remain the same, but the situations are so different. May God bless you. May God keep you. And may God cause faith to grow in your life through the preaching and teaching of His Word. The fundamental wisdom needed for godly parenting is found in God's wise and good Word. So let we have spent enough time talking. Let's go straight there. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This morning, we're going to seek to answer really three simple questions. This is a very simple, simple passage of Scripture. It's got a good structure. Uh, you see some commands. You see, you see a lot of interaction here. And when we, when we read this, we can really say, okay, I get it. Children obey. Parent, uh, fathers lead. Like, you know, uh, fathers teach. Fathers instruct. Fathers discipline. Fathers 
um, uh, lovingly uh, leave their home. Like We can see that. But what we want to do is seek to answer three questions within the context of this passage. Very simple questions that I think we can answer for the littlest of ears in here to the oldest of ears. One, what does it mean to obey your parents? What does it mean to obey your parents? We see children. It identifies children here. Obey your parents. Well, simply uh, to mean to obey is basically to comply with or submit to the command, direction, or request of a person or a law. And so when we hear obey in our current climate, in our current culture, uh, within our society, even in our homes, we often think of obedience in the negative. But in the context of the gospel, in the context of the scripture, we know the opposite. And what Paul is speaking here about when he says children obey, he's not speaking about a grudgingly enforced um, doing, but in an encouraging obedience that is a fruit of Philippians 5.21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It is the fruit of a heart that desires to honor their parents and ultimately glorify God because they've been transformed by the gospel, because they have submitted their life to Christ. The importance of the spirit of obedience is so magnified in this passage. And he's describing this obedience in the context of gospel transformation. And it it is obedience that flows from a thankful heart, from a thankful heart uh, that is transformed by the gospel truth, not managed by mere duty. So when we talk about obedience here, what does it mean to obey? Obedience is more than just doing. Obedience means to show respect, to show love, to show concern for, to care for, to seek to bring honor by the way that we do things, the way we respond to things, by the way that we live and the sacrifices that we make. And the only obedience, church, that is acceptable to God is this obedience. It is this willing, willingly glad heart given over to obedience. And the obedience of a Christian child to their parents is an active display either of the reality that the gospel has taken root in their hearts or of an opposing reality that pervades. It is the difference between I am want to honor you or I want to honor myself. I want to do what's best for you or I want to do what's best for myself. And true heartfelt obedience to to our parents is directly connected to our humble submission to Jesus Christ. So what is obedience? 
What does it mean to obey, children? What does it mean to obey? It is the respectful, loving submission to our parents that brings honor to them and therefore honors the Lord. I think sometimes we, we allow the, the nuances of our own society and this world to infiltrate our homes. And so I think it's good to clarify what is meant by obedience. That when we have an instruction from the Lord, we realize that it is a good instruction. It is good for you to obey the Lord. It is good for you, children, to obey your parents because it honors the Lord. It's a very, very simple concept, but oftentimes our minds are um, and uh, are, are, are basically twisted around what it actually means to obey. So what, is it, what does it mean to obey? Second question is really the heart of this passage. Why should I obey my parents? Children, do you know why you should obey your parents? Do you know why you should obey your parents? They are, you may think, oh man, they're just giving me this list of things I got to do. I got to, you know, take out the trash. I got to clean my room. You know, I got to, I got to uh, pick up after myself. I got to cut the grass. Like you see this list, but do you know why God is saying? in His Word, that you should obey. We're going to walk through that. First part of the verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. The first reason why you and I should obey our parents is because of the Gospel. It is because of what it means to be in the Lord. Obedience and honor to our parents is an appropriate response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is appropriate. Like it is appropriate to joyfully obey because we no longer belong to ourselves. We're no longer uh, a stranger to God, but we are a friend to God. We not only belong uh, over here, we now belong here, and that is with Christ. We belong to Christ. And because we belong to Christ, our goal should be to want to honor Him. Our goal should be to reflect Christ with our lives. We say we believe that the Word is sufficient. We say that. This, in this passage that we've been looking at from Ephesians, really... Chapter uh, verse, uh, chapter five, verse twenty-two, really all the way through um, uh, verse nine. What we see here is that the home is central. Like we see that the word is sufficient, the home is central. But listen, children, the gospel is necessary. You'll never, ever, ever to be able to joyfully obey your parents. You will always resist it if the gospel does not transform your life. The gospel is both the source of your salvation and the source of your transformation. You're never going to be able to do this without first and foremost knowing the Lord 
as your Savior. So why should I obey my parents? Because of the Gospel. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe that He came to this world and lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death and rose again as Andrew prayed earlier, if you believe that, then you're saying that I believe the Gospel. So when mom and dad say, do this or that, you want to. Why? Because of the Gospel. Because of the Gospel. But not only because of the the Gospel, let's look at the rest of that verse, but also because it's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What does this mean? Christian obedience. Children's obedience within the home to their parents is founded in God's good and righteous design of the family. This is God's good and righteous design. God designed the family and He created rightness within the family order which honors and glorifies Him. It's a very simple thing. Well, it's right. How do you know that it's right? Well, I just know. Well, that's because it's God's design. You know that it's right to honor your Lord, uh, honor your parents. You know it's right to obey your parents. You know when you are resisting that, that it is wrong. Because it is within God's good and righteous design. And what we see today is today we see the rightness of God's design challenged in the home. It's challenged on many fronts. And I, I'm going to paraphrase. I believe the modern version of Ephesians 6.1 reads like this in our world today. Parents, obey your children for this will keep them happy in the home. This is what we see. I see it in my own home. Children, listen very close to me. All you kids, if you consider yourself a kid, and you have parents, and you're living in the home, I want you to just lift your head up. I want you to look up here. Listen very closely to me. The work of your parents in your life is not to make you happy. It's to make you like Jesus. There's lots of things that make you happy. Playing and running and swimming and jumping and eating your favorite ice creams. All those things make you happy. But your parents in God's right design are not here to make you happy. They're here to make you holy. They're here to make you look and live like Jesus. All right, parents... This is so hard for us. But so clear to Paul. Our primary responsibility in the home is not to make our children happy. It's to make them holy. Why should I obey my parents? Because it is right. 
Because God's design is for something bigger than your happiness. God's design is for Himself. It is for His own glory. And in that, He uses you to display it through your obedience when mom and dad says, clean your room. God is honored in that when you say, yes, mother, because of the gospel and because it's right for me to submit to you because I know that it honors the Lord. It's difficult to process for little ears. Right? Parents, continue to hold up the rightness of God's design in your home. No matter what this society tells you, no matter how happy it makes you feel that they can run fast and they can jump high, no matter how it makes you feel that they have, they're so smart and they can be this or that, no matter how much pride you feel because they made this decision to be successful or not, that is not the primary reason, though that there is good things in that. We need to be about the rightness of God's design because that is what brings Him glory. Why should I obey? Because it is right. The next reason why I should obey, obey, listen kids, you've probably heard this one before from your dad. Why should you obey? Because God said so, right? Have you ever asked, Dad, why should I do that? Because I said so. We, we dismiss this, but this is profound truth here. In verse 2, Paul is stating something very profound. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Paul is citing the fifth commandment, and what he is doing is he is applying it to the New Testament believer. And even though the Christian is no longer under the law, the righteousness of the law, honor your father and mother, still reveals the holiness of God. And the Spirit of God leads us to practice this righteousness in our life. And here's the wonderful news about all of that today. First, the grace of the gospel does not excuse us from obedience to God's command. It does not. This is what Paul is saying. You're no longer under the law, but don't use grace to your advantage because it's not an excuse to obey the righteousness of God revealed. The grace of the gospel is not an excuse. The grace of the gospel fuels our obedience. We know that we have been given something that we do not deserve. What do we do? Yes, Lord, because you simply said so. What we need to understand in that is when we, as children, refuse to obey our parents, our disagreement is not first and foremost with our parents. Listen, kids. When you disobey mom and dad, your disagreement is not just with mom and dad. It is first and foremost with God. 
Because God has said so. God has said, obey your parents. He has said, honor your father and, and mother. So when we don't obey God, we are ultimately turning away from Him. What does this mean? Children, look at me. All kids, look at me. You are made by God. You are a beautiful, beautiful image bearer of the God of this universe. He created you and formed you and you are uniquely and wonderfully made. But when you were born, you were also born into sin. What, is, what does sin mean? It means doing what God forbids. So when you were born, you were born into, into a state to where you just choose to do what God forbids. And in your life, you continually do that. So you, you were made by God. And do you know what that means when we sin? And you were born into sin and you choose to sin? It means that you are responsible to God. It means you are responsible to God. What does that mean? So we must obey. We must obey as children. We must, we must honor our parents with our attitude. And we must obey our parents with our actions. Anything less, kids, anything less is sin. And you know what? Sin does to us. Sin separates us from God. When you choose not to obey, when you choose not to honor your parents, you sin against a holy and righteous God. And it separates you from His goodness and His glory. And what God originally created you to be has been distorted. When we don't do the things that God has said for us to do, then we sin against Him. In Leviticus 19, verse 1 through 3, here is God saying you are responsible. He says, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Everyone shall revere his mother and father. Listen, kids, how we as children relate to our parents is a direct reflection of our reverence of God. We can so quickly dismiss because God said so. But when you understand that God has said so, that is what fuels and leads our obedience. He is worthy. That's what we are saying when we obey joyfully. And we seek to honor humbly. We are saying He is worthy and full and complete obedience in every aspect of our lives, including our relationship with our parents. Parents, this morning, this is why it is so important to hold out the beauty and wonder of the Scriptures to our children. 
They need to see and to hear the glory and goodness of God revealed to us through His Word. You want your child to know Him. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want them to revere God. Then you must hold Him out to your children. Children, just to kind of summarize what I said to you earlier, you are made by God. You have been separated from God because of your sin. And you are responsible. You are responsible to God for your sin. And because of that, you need Jesus. Because He came and He lived that life that you couldn't live. Do you know not one single time, not one single time did Jesus ever disobey His parents? Not one single time. He completely honored them. Honored them all the way until His death on a cross. Even in His dying moments, He commended love to His mother. We need Jesus because He lived a life that you and I couldn't. He was perfect in all of His doing and in all of His attitude. And because of that, it made Him the perfect sacrifice. It made Him the perfect Son that could take away our sin. And He did that by giving of Himself so that if you would trust in Him and His death on the cross, that you too could be redeemed from your sin and restored back to a right relationship with the Father in heaven. You need Jesus. Why should I obey? Why should I obey? Very simple. Because of the gospel. Because it is right. Because God said so. And in verse 3 we see because of God's blessing. That it may go well and you may live long. Paul says in the fifth commandment we find a promise. And with this promise is this twofold blessing. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This promised blessing originally, church, applied to the Jews as they entered into the promised land. But Paul is applying it to the family of believers today. What Paul is saying here is between Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, Paul is making the general point that God's promise, blessing, rests on our joyful obedience. Obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. There is a promise to this. And with this promise, there is a blessing. 
And what Paul is teaching something is something that we miss so much as believers. We miss the blessing of knowing God. We, see, we miss the blessing of relationship with God. Paul is teaching here that the obedience to God deepens the life of the believer. Sin always robs you of blessing. It always robs you of blessing. But obedience always enriches you. Sin robs you and obedience enriches you. This is what it's meant. And this commandment is a far-reaching commandment. It is a far-reaching commandment. Colossians 3.20 says that obedience to parents is well-pleasing to the Lord. It is well-pleasing to the Lord. As believers, we should never stop seeking to honor our parents. Because as believers, we should never stop seeking to do what is pleasing to the Lord. In our Western culture, family culture, here's, the, here's, here's how uh, the, the parental uh, child relationship goes. The child lives in the home, and then the child leaves the home. Lives in the home, and leaves the home. And there is some good in between it. There is some good things that happen in both living and leaving. But what we see in our culture today is the disintegration of the home, which is, has led to the disappearance of family loyalty and commitment to the highest good of one another. This disintegration has called many children to miss the beautiful blessing of a wonderful, lifelong, loving relationship with their parents that glorifies God. You say, you may say, well, I'm not a parent in this room, but you are a child. Every single one of us. And you know what? It pleases, whether you're in the home or you're away from the home, it pleases the Lord when we honor our mother and father. You will never, ever, ever cease to be that in this life. Whether your parents are here or they are, are, have passed away, you can seek to honor them with your life. The meaning of children in this passage is much different than how we as a society define our children today. When Paul says children, he is speaking of a lifelong responsibility to honor and care for your parents. And that brings us back to this. The gospel of Christ has not only come to transform our relationship with Him, but to transform our relationship with one another. And I believe, uh, I read in a, a commentary this week by Ian Hamilton, he said this. He said, the Christian family truly is a store window for the gospel. And it never ceases to be, to be that. Obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. That it may be enriching for you as you walk in this life. 
parents, children, the essence of that relationship is not just the quantity of time that you have in the home. It is the quality of the experience that you have as you walk in this earth. Let the joyful obedience that it and the and the God honoring work of that relationship lead you to be enriched today. This is why we should obey our parents. The third question we want to ask this morning is found in the first, uh, the fourth verse. Well, how should I lead in my parenting? So what does it mean to obey my parents? Why should I obey my parents? Now, how should I lead in my parenting? It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here's a foundational truth for us as we, as we seek to, to walk through this for the next few minutes. God gives you children by His grace and for His glory. If you, don't, if you don't understand that as we walk through this, then your heart may be hard to the gospel. You may discount what is being said. You may not embrace the responsibility that is laid on you. When you, when you understand that, that children are a blessing from the Lord, that it's God's grace, and they are not our own. We don't own our children. <laughs> we, are, we are responsible for training them up and releasing them as agents and ambassadors of God's glory and His kingdom. This is foundational. So how should I lead in my parenting? Look what he says here. He says, fathers, fathers. Fathers are the God-ordained covenant heads of their families. That's the reason why Paul says fathers. He's not dismissing the, the role of the mother in the home by any means, but he is addressing the chief responsible person to shepherd the home. To be biblically faithful, to be God-honoring fathers, what we need to do right now is we need to give much thought of how we can best fulfill our calling to nurture our family in the faith. So the first way that we need to understand how I need to lead in parenting is that I need to take it seriously. I need to take it seriously. But as I take it seriously, I want you guys to know that the role, when we talk about parenting, we're not talking about parenting without hope. <laughs> we need to understand that Paul is not setting before the church or the family unattainable ideals regarding the home. He is teaching God's will for the home and with a promise that the Holy Spirit is helping 
unify all things in Christ. So what does that mean? It means that children can obey joyfully and parents can lead faithfully. But fathers, we need to get real for just a minute. Because we need to be asking ourselves first and foremost, am I taking the privileged, gracious calling to lead my home and spiritually nurture my children in the Lord, in the Gospel, seriously? Do you feel the weight of that responsibility do you feel the weight of that responsibility in such a way that you says, Lord, I am not sufficient for this task? If you feel sufficiency at all, Christian Father, then you are not taking it seriously. And I speak that from experience. We are not sufficient for the task. But we must trust in the sufficiency of God to lead us, to help us, and to keep us. There is a fundamental truth here that God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do it. And God's design is for us to take the task of rearing our children seriously. We must take it seriously. That's the reason why He says, Fathers, you're responsible God was not passive when He seen you living in sin. Me living in sin. Even while I was in sin, God demonstrated. He aggressively pursued me. He demonstrated His love for me that Christ died for my sins. And what Paul is saying in the home, fathers, you cannot be passive. Be like the Father in heaven. Take it seriously and pursue your children in the Lord. But not only should we take it seriously, we should also take it carefully. Look at the second part of verse 4. Fathers, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. In Paul's day, the father had supreme authority over the family. And this is going to sound really, really bad, but the father in Paul's day had societal right to accept a child or to shun a child. It's completely foreign to our culture. But like, you know, Adam, when Asher was born, what a beautiful, beautiful image bearer of God, by the way. He is a He's a joy, not without sin, as you know, but what a, <laughs> but a blessing to the Lord. Could you imagine having the right to say, hmm, um, I don't want you, or you know what, I think you, you're pretty cute, I think I'll take you. In Paul's time, the father had that right. It doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Well, it didn't make a lot of sense to Paul either because it doesn't make a lot of sense to the gospel, <laughs> We need fathers who do not shun their children. We need fathers who model the grace of our Heavenly Father who does not provoke, but encourages. Do you know the opposite word? The, the word provoke actually means to discourage. Don't discourage your children so that they run away from the Lord. 
But encourage it. Build up your children so that they run to the Lord. And as parents, we must exercise our God-given authority over our children. But we always, always, always do it in a manner that draws our children to Christ. Not in a manner that causes them to run away from Christ. Remember, we're not just managing our children's behavior here. (laughs) We're not managing our children's behavior. We're actually instructing them in righteousness. That's what we're doing. So the next time that you find yourself at the end of your rope with your parenting, with your children, and just say, enough is enough, remember that their greatest need is the gospel. So walk with them carefully. Don't push them away. Pull them to you. Pull them to you. As parents, we should be resolved to do everything in our power to ensure that nothing that we say or nothing that we do hinders our kids from receiving the Lord. Oh, what a task. (laughs) Here's what this means practically. When you fail, Dad, when you fail, Mom, when you fail your children, look them in the eye and say, please forgive me. Because I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm trying, but I fail you. Seek their forgiveness. And children, children, when you fail mom or dad, seek that forgiveness. Parent, back to you, when your kids fail you, forgive them. What does this mean? Show them the gospel. Be careful in how you do it. Be gracious, be merciful, be kind, be patient, be understanding, be real. Fathers, I've noticed this in my own life, the attitude and temperature of our home is so vitally important. The attitude and temperature that marks our care for our children is so important. And we must look to Jesus as our perfect example. So carefully, carefully parent your children. Let's look on. Also faithfully, faithfully, it says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do you know what? If left to myself, I would rebel. If your children are left to their self, they also will rebel. They are sinners and they need a Savior. So we must be relentlessly faithful in encouraging them with gospel discipline and gospel instruction. And this is what should shape our homes. This is what should shape our children's lives. But in order to do that, we must have a grasp on our children's greatest need if we ever hope to see it met. What is your child's greatest need? It is regeneration. Your child has a heart that is dead to God and only can be made alive through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So as parents, we've got to be determined. 
We've got to be, we've got to be diligent. We've got to be deliberate in our training of our children in the gospel. And that's the reason why with God's instruction in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, is that in, in everything that we do, this training takes place in everything in we do. In our walking, in our working, in our resting, in our risings. This, this whole life, the whole life, the whole home, is the context of Christ honoring training in our home. And parents, this training and nurturing involves correction. But this correction should always be done and led by love because our children's greatest need is not behavior modification, but it is a heart regenerated by the Spirit of God. Not only should we faithfully train our children in the gospel, but Paul tells us that we should also faithfully admonish our children with gospel truths. What this means is, is that we should exercise gospel truth. In other words, we should train. We should train. The rhythms of the gospel should be in our home. But we also should speak gospel truths in the lives of our children. When something is wrong, we call it wrong. When something is right, we call it right. A lot of homes will go either or, but it's both and. Or so, so corrective. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. My kids would probably say that sounds just like that. All right. So don't do this. Don't do that. But it also should be filled with, but do this. But do that. This is what God says. Speak the gospel truths into our life. Of our children. Do you know the, the word admonish in the original language literally means to place in the mind. So we talk about why do we speak things like why do we say warning, hey, the bridge is out. What you want to do is inform the mind, to place truth in the mind. So, so we understand that there is this constant, unceasing battle for the mind of our homes today, for the mind of our children. And as Christian parents, we must give ourselves to placing God's Word in minds. It is profitable, as Paul told Timothy. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for rebuke. It is profitable for correction. It is, it is profitable in all things. It is everything that we need to live godly, faithful, Christ-honoring lives in this broken world. So we can never, parent, we can never, ever, ever begin too early. And we can never, ever bring it too often. We have a very limited opportunity here, fathers, with our children. And there are so many competing voices vying for our children's attention and allegiance so we must be faithful. How should I lead in my parenting? Just be faithful. Faithful to train in gospel truth. And faithful to speak gospel truth. Gospel parenting is both verbal and visible. Let's be faithful to that. And finally, how should I lead in my parenting? Save the best for last. 
doesn't specifically say, you're not going to see this specifically in the text, but it is woven in the context of all Scripture and in the heart of the Gospel. We must lead in our parenting prayerfully. Parenting is demanding. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> Godly parenting is even more demanding. But it's also daring. Because it goes against the culture and the view of this world. It is God-honoring, Christ-pleasing, and it is vital for the saving and sanctifying of our homes. As parents, we are called to be faithful because God blesses those who honor Him. It's, it's good to honor a good God. But also, it has to be prayerful because without Him, we can do Nothing. You hear me, church? I've got to lead in my parenting this way because uh, without Him, I can do nothing. And you may be a father here, you may be a mother here, and He's like, where do I, where do I start? What can I do? I, I, maybe I know so many, so, so little about the Gospel, but I, but I believe if you do nothing else, Parent, if you do nothing else, you must pray for your children. Because prayer will set you your heart in all the matters that we discussed today. It sets your heart on all the matters that we discussed today. While also at the same time reminding you and I of the uttermost dependence that we must have on the Lord and His mercy. Prayer reminds us that we are in a spiritual battle with eternal consequences. And what prayer does is it bends our wills toward God and it turns our hearts toward our children. God, I'm not sufficient for this task. Please help me. God, I want my children to obey. Please help me. I, as an adult child, want to honor my father and mother. Please help me. It bends our, our will toward the will of God and it turns our hearts toward our children. May our parenting at Redeemer Church, may the parenting in our homes reflect the beauty of Christ, His church, and our complete and utter dependence upon Him for all things. So please, in your parenting, lead seriously. Lead carefully. Lead faithfully. And lead prayerfully. As Phil and the worship team comes up to lead us in a song, we could spend so much time talking about the joyful suffering and sanctifying work of parenting. But I'm going to leave you with this. There's so much practical stuff that we can walk through. I'm going to, I'm going to lead this. I want to commend a few books to you this morning in our closing. First, Parenting by Paul David Tripp. 
14 gospel principles that can radically change your family. This is a great, great book. I read from this at the beginning of, of the sermon. We have copies available at the back. If you're a parent here with younger children, I'd like to commend a book to you. Uh, we use some of these same books in, in our preschool and pre-K class, Miss Mary and I do. This is everything a child should know about God. It's pretty cool, kids. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Pictures, pictures are good, right? You can just walk through it. You can never start too early, and you can never do it too often, okay? Everything a child should know about God, if you don't have a copy and you immediately need this, you can have mine. And then fathers, I would like to commend a book to you that, that really radically helped me and shaped my family. It's a very convicting book. Um, it is Family Shepherds by Bodie Bauckham. It is calling and equipping men to lead their homes. Um, it's geared toward for men to walk together through, but it is full of practical thing and godly wisdom of what, what it means to have corrective discipline, what it means to, to, to lead your home. Uh, well, this is a great, great book. The last thing I want to commend to you is not a book, but it is the church. Raise your hand if you think you've got parenting figured out. Okay, none of us. But we are here together. And God has given you a blessing in this church. He's, he's giving you pastors and elders who desire to help you and to pray with you and to walk with you in your parenting, children. God has given you pastors who want to help you to obey. So let's be a good church. I want to commend to you the pastoral ministry of Redeemer Church. If you need help in your parenting, if you need prayer in your parenting, come see Pastor Phil, Pastor Ben, or myself. Come to other men in the church who exemplify godly parenting. Ask them to come alongside of you. I just want to commend that to you this morning. These are good things. God has given us a good task and a good design. Now let's seek to, to honor Him with our lives and continue to be enriched by the blessing of what it means to walk wisely in parenting.